Hi, I'm Anna, a young university student. And I'm Marissa, a middle-aged palliative care doctor. And it might seem like we don't have that much in common. But we're both really passionate about climate change. And we're mother and daughter. So welcome to Green Girl Talk. For today's feature focus, we're going to talk about some of our favorite environmental charities. And I think that it's a good topic because with COVID, a lot of charities have been uh, not getting as many donations. And so it's a a good time to highlight uh, maybe some charities if you do want to give some money. Um, This is some of mine and Anna's favorites. So Anna, do you want to go first? Sure. Um... I don't know if these are my favorites, or I didn't have favorites before this. Um, So the first one I decided to find more about is called 350, Mm -hmm. which I've been getting emails from them for a long time, and I I don't even know how I started getting their emails, but their emails are very informative. Um, So, I'll start with a little history. Okay. It was founded in 2008 by a group of university friends in the U.S., along with author Bill McKibben. And I guess I found that very interesting, um, that a group of university students would go out and start this climate change organization. Especially because in 2008, I mean, I don't know if climate change was as prominent an issue. It wasn't as well-known. I think that was like right around the time of an Inconvenient Truth movie. Mm -hmm. So it was just Mm -hmm. starting to be known. Um... And I never, I never knew this. So their name is after three hundred and fifty parts, parts per, per million, million. which yeah. is the safe concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And I thought that was a very clever name. I, yeah. I didn't know that's. Yeah. I never got it. Um, so their whole idea behind the organization is to create a climate movement that reflects the scale of the crisis. Because before that, uh, not a lot of people were active against climate change. Um, So the first big thing they did was in 2009, and they got people in 181 countries to come together and demand climate action from their leaders. And at that time, CNN called it the most widespread day of political action in the planet's history. Um, I think that's pretty amazing. They had a video, and I watched it, and it was really big crowds, and it was Uh very impressive. Yeah. Um, So basically, they work on grassroots campaigns across the globe. Um, their stuff seems like a lot of protests, like peaceful protests yeah. and marches and stuff, yeah. um, to call action from leaders. That's kind right. of what they seem more focused on yeah. in just informing people, like with the emails. Um, I also find it interesting, their staff is from all over the world, uh-huh. which I thought was good because it was originally U.S. Right. based, but it's really expanded to all over the world. And then they also have more localized sectors of the organization. And I checked, and there's one in Hamilton. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there is a lot all over the world. So cool. cool. That's excellent. Now, I'm really glad you highlighted them. They're a very well-known mm-hmm. big organization. Um, so I wanted to talk about uh, one that I really like a lot that's called Raven Trust. And it stands, the RAVEN stands for Respecting Aboriginal Values and Environmental Needs. um, And it's an Indigenous People's Legal Defense Fund to protect their constitutional rights. Um, And it was established in 2010. 
Um, and sort of one of the things that I like to look uh, for when, when I think about donating to a charity is to see if their financial statements are publicly available because you want to know that the charity you're giving to is actually using the money for what they're supposed to be using it for, not like for advertising. Um, and so their financial statements are available online. Um, I tried to look at them like I could open up the document, mm-hmm. but I don't really understand that to finance. <laughs> um, but presumably it's pretty good or they wouldn't have put it out there. Um, but definitely if it's something you know about, you could look at it. Um, and so really what it is, is, uh, fun. It's a fund to help lawyers to, uh, prosecute cases, uh, for environmental justice for indigenous people. Um, indigenous people in Canada have some of the most powerful environmental rights in the entire world, but those rights are only going to be helpful if they can be, uh, upheld in a court of law. Right, mm-hmm. so somebody needs to defend them, um, and they have um, a fair number of events, but not like protests, like three hundred and fifty. But they have they have their own podcasts, um, and they have some webina- webinars. And recently, they had an online folk concert, oh. and um, yeah, sometimes they have like uh, open meetings to like to the public with Zoom and whatever to do education, talk about what they're doing. Um, and then I just pulled out like a few of their very recent victories. Um, so the uh, there's a case that was the Tehillkitin First Nations versus Tasiko uh, Prospecting Mine, and uh, the mine was defeated in defense of Tetston Binny, which is Fish Lake. Uh, so they were not allowed to do open pit mining for gold and copper, so that's good because mm-hmm. that's really bad for the environment. Um, they also raised $1.2 million to support court challenges against the Trans Mountain Pipeline um, and are helping to prepare an appeal uh, at the highest court of Canada for Indigenous people uh, against Trans Mountain Pipeline. Um, they've been actively fighting uh, Site C Dam, and uh, they worked with the Sierra Club and were successful in um, canceling the Enbridge pipeline. So that's just a few of their most recent uh, victories. And they have a lot of ongoing cases, so they definitely could still use some support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next one that I researched is called the Climate Reality Project. Okay. And I hadn't heard about this one at all yeah. before. Um, it's led by Al Gore. Okay. Um, and Ken Berlin, okay. I don't know didn't recognize that name, and it's about empowering everyday people to become activists, equipped with the tools, training, and network to fight for solutions and drive change planet-wide. Mm. I, I just realized I don't have the year that it was oh, created. I'm not sure. Right. Um, so... One thing that they did in November 2019 was called 24 Hours of Reality. and 24 Hours of Reality, Truth in Action. Um, so on that day, in those 24 hours, they had 1,750 presentations all over the world wow. about climate change to inform people. Yeah. And all of these are led by climate reality leader volunteers. And basically what you learn in those presentations is about the climate crisis and how we can work towards solving it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really great. Yeah. It's a lot of presentations. Yeah. I think it was 
There were school ones, community yeah. centers. Um, I think you can just request presentations if you have mm-hmm. some type of group. So it's a very educational Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have more about the training, but I'm going to say something else before I get into the training. Okay. So there's the stuff that they were doing seemed very um, creative. I don't know, just like very different than yeah. a normal thing you would see. And one of the ones I thought was really cool was is called Guitar of Reality. And so they partnered with Jack Johnson. I don't know if you know, you would know his songs. Okay. It's like Better Together. You would know, know the song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Brushfire Records, okay. which is presumably his label. label. Um, so basically, he played a guitar they built from a pine tree. Okay. And this pine tree was destroyed by bark-eating uh, beetles, okay. which... Um, is worse from climate change. So basically the whole idea behind the guitar is that they're taking this really negative thing and turning it into a positive. Ah. And it's kind of like you can see climate change and now you're hearing it too. That was their whole kind of message. So he went on tour and he played that guitar on all the shows and then he would kind of explain the story behind the guitar at all his shows. Uh I thought that was really cool. That's cool. um, Because that's a great message. Yeah. And that can get to a lot of people yeah. who weren't also expecting. Right. Because it's one thing to get the message to people who are, like, going to a climate, climate change information event. thing. Right. Yeah. But then, like, obviously all these people at the concert weren't going for a right. climate change information session. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then the other thing with the Climate Reality Project is there's global training. Uh, and there's one this year from August 28th to September 3rd, and it's going to be online. Okay. Usually... They're in person, obviously, right. and they're led by Al Gore. Oh, my God. You do, um, I think there's a lot of speakers that yeah. you watch, and then there's smaller groups where you break off and do stuff, and it's all completely free. Yeah. The one thing you have to do, you have to do 10 acts of leadership. Okay. Which, the acts of leadership are kind of, like, giving back to your community in mm-hmm. environmentally friendly ways, like going to a march or, like, organizing a fundraiser. Okay. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then once you do that... Then you can be a climate reality leader. Cool. So I thought that was very cool. That is something to think about. I thought you might want to do it. I thought it you looked... might want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I looked really cool. Yeah, it yeah. does sound very interesting. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Um, and my second charity is uh, another legal charity. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I like the legal ones. Maybe because I'm a doctor, so I don't feel like I know anything about law. But I feel like... Um, you know, it's it's good to have protests and to have mm-hmm. peaceful protests. But part of what the hope of those protests is, is to inform lawmakers mm-hmm. and government. But you have to have the right laws, and but they have to be enforced. So um, I feel like this is sort of the other side of that. So Eco-Justice has been around for 30 years. Um, they currently have 31 active course court cases. Um some some of their most recent victories, um, uh, and they're I think they're uh, can, they're only Canadian Eco Justice. Well, I think Raven mm-hmm. Trust is also they're both Canadian. Uh, they had um, the largest ever environmental settlement in Canadian history. They got one hundred ninety six point five million dollars from Volkswagen. Um, wow! For because you know Volkswagen like. Um, cheated on their car emission things so yeah um in ontario they uh had a lawsuit against our premier doug ford 
because when he got into government, he uh, scrapped the cut the cap and trade program, mm-hmm. and they sued him for that, saying it was illegal for him to do that, and they won, so that was good. Um, in Nova Scotia, they went to court and successfully defended endangered species. Um, they, um, okay, and then uh, this is okay. I have two more, but they're both like they're so <laughs> cool. So well, okay, one is really cool, and one is just sort of. Um, so one was that uh, in no- this November they just started a lawsuit, so it's mm-hmm. ongoing. They're representing seven young people who are suing the government of Ontario for weakening the province's greenhouse gas wow. emissions. So I always like that when young people take mm-hmm. the government to court. For sure. Um, and the other one's more uh, pers- of personal interest, but they um, helped shape and passed a new Impact Assessment Act to modernize the Department of Fisheries. Uh, (laughs) and restore legal protection for fish and their habitat so obviously we have a personal interest in that because we know someone in the department of fishery (laughs) and that's um that's all i have so again i'm trying to relate the tips back to the charities Mm -hmm. well not the specific charities um so my first tip is research the charity before donating um, because even the bigger ones, you, I don't think you should donate to something if you haven't looked into it and make sure you really align with their values. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah, so definitely research a charity before donating it. And then a lot of charities have training sessions, like I was talking about. Yeah. But I think a lot of them have a lot of information on their website so that you can inform yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good thing to do if you don't have money to donate. Um, also, if you don't have money to donate, you can volunteer, and there's a lot of things where you can volunteer with the charities, or you could, if you're in school, you could join a club Mm -hmm. that's doing something, or start a club. I am not in a club, (laughs) but I was thinking maybe I'll look into it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, with the 350, there's also local groups that you can join, so then you're making an impact in your local community, which is really great, and then... Other things you can do, you can go to climate marches, which, yeah. like you said, could lead to legal action being being yeah. taken. Yeah. Um, and just being yeah. at the marches is really empowering it's, it and inspiring. Because I, I went yeah. to the one in yeah. Toronto, and it was really yeah. cool. I have one other idea. If you mm-hmm. don't have any money to donate for a charity, because I've seen this lately on Facebook, mm-hmm. is, like, people do, like, for their birthday or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, you just put on your Facebook page to donate to this charity for my birthday. So that's good. You know. And I, I feel like whenever I've seen those, the, they always raise more money than they had for their goal. Right. I don't know. And almost all of the ones I've seen. Yeah. Um, so that's great. I think I'm definitely going to do that this year. I've never It's done a good it idea. Before, mm-hmm. Yeah. I also feel like people who wouldn't normally give you a present right. would see that and donate. Absolutely. And even if you... Like, even and if you just had 30 people donate and yeah. they all do, like, $20... Right. That's... And I would rather have that than a present, mm-hmm. honestly. Right. Mm-hmm. So then my other thing was, um, obviously you can give donations as a present, like you just said. Yeah. But I feel like with some people, you don't know if they would, I don't want to say they wouldn't like it, but like some people wouldn't right. necessarily they didn't put love a charity donation. Yeah. Right. Um, but then I was thinking there's sites like Omaze, which we've done right. a yeah. few times, and yeah. there's... So with that, there's a possibility to win some sort of contest to meet a celebrity or something. Right. Sometimes you get a shirt. Yeah. But then all 
the money is still going to the this charity. charity. Yeah. You and almost always get a shirt. Yeah, I think the the climate change related charity that Omaze does is I think it's water. Okay. Yeah, I think so. So it's very water based. Yeah. So good. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so that's all my tips. So uh, for today's good news, um, I was not really able to connect it back to the charities very much. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, but I found uh, three things that I thought were all interesting and sort of all on different lit uh, levels or different scale. So the first one that I thought was really interesting is that Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> <laughs> is going to start 3D printing chicken nuggets. That are vegan? That Yeah, well, they're not vegan. They're made from actual chicken cells, but uh. they don't kill ch- chickens. They just take the cells and they grow it in a lab, right? But then you end up with something that looks like a Petri dish, so it's, you have to feed that into a 3D printer so that it looks like a chicken nugget, but it is actually a That's chicken nugget. That's very strange. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, so I thought that was very cool. I mean, I've sort of heard about lab-grown meat before, mm-hmm. Um and honestly, I don't know what people who are, you know, if you're vegetarian or vegan, uh, for animal cruelty reasons versus environmental reasons, but mm-hmm. I still think this is pretty good for either of yeah. us. Anyways, it's it's just starting, and it's starting in Russia, so I suspect it'll be some time before <laughs> we get 3D chicken nuggets, but I thought that was cool. Um, the second is uh, in uh, the U.S., um, and, you know, we've talked before about some of the U.S. bills that are, are going to the, the floor of the House or the Senate. Um, so this is a, a very recent one, and I was impressed because I'll tell you why. Um, so it's called the Great America Outdoors Act, and it's already passed the Senate by a vote mm-hmm. of 73 to 25. And the Senate is Republican. The House is mm-hmm. Democrat. So I'm sure if it passed the Senate with such a large vote, it's expected to pass the House. And not only that, Trump said that he would sign it into law. That's good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so what is it? Actually, the Great America Outdoors Act is two bills in one. The first part of it is to fund land and water conservation. Um, and the second part is to fix the national park uh, system. And um, I wasn't exactly clear on how much money altogether they're putting into this. But one thing that I thought was interesting was some of the money that's going into this conservation and and repairing parks is actually royalties from oil and gas companies. So oil and gas royalties will make up $1 billion a year for the next decade Mm -hmm. uh, to pay for some of these environmental fixes. So that was good. Um, And the third thing I have is from um, really international, and it's about uh, offshore wind energy. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, that's since COVID, like uh, everything, a lot of things have been down, including renewable energy market, except for the offshore wind energy in which uh, since the beginning of the year, so the first six months of the year, Despite COVID, investments in offshore wind energy have quadrupled worldwide, um, with $35 billion worth of projects uh, being initiated just in the last six months. Um, It's all over the world, Holland, Scotland, um, 28 projects total, 17 projects in China alone. So I think that was really mm-hmm. very uh, heartening for me to hear about uh, the forward progress of wind energy investment. 
So for today's review, I'm doing another book. Well, it's something that I came across as a book, um, but it's really an organization, and it's called uh, Project Drawdown, um, and they have a website, drawdown.org. And um, basically what it is is a collection of uh, scientists, economists, professors in various specialties who uh, got together to rank the top 100 solutions to not only um, stopping emission of greenhouse gas, but the, the idea of drawdown is to actually take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. Um, and so each, um, there, there's 100 solutions and they're ranked um, and they talk about like how much if it was implemented it would draw down the greenhouse gases and how much it would cost. That's why they had the economists there. Um, and each one is basically like a two-page. Some of them are longer and might be three pages. But so it's a quick, it's not a book you have to read in order, although you can if you want. But you could just, if you have time to read a page or two, see some really cool things that are available. And so sort of what they looked for with their criteria is that the solution is already available and is scalable. So these are 100 things that already exist and could be implemented. They looked to see if it was economically viable as their business case. Does it have the potential to reduce greenhouse gas in the atmosphere, either through avoided emissions or sequestrations, by a minimum of at least 50 million tons of greenhouse gas over 30 years? Are there any negative results to it, like pollution or food security? And do we have sufficient data to be able to model these technologies at a global scale? Um, so there certainly were things they looked at that didn't make the cut, but the fact that they found 100 things that did make a difference um, is, is super. Um, and they also have, like, if you go on their website, a lot of educational, additional free educational material. Um, and I just thought that the one other really interesting thing about it is some people criticized it because in the 100 things, it didn't um, comment on carbon pricing. Like, remember before I said about the cap and trade in Ontario? Yeah. Um, so carbon pricing... And, and they said the reason that they did that is that carbon pricing is a policy mechanism to implement solutions, and it's not in itself a solution. But they did say that carbon pricing is the single most impactful policy proposal that would accelerate the adoption of every solution. Um, so I think I was thinking about that and thinking, like, carbon pricing is also something we could talk about sometime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I would uh, highly recommend this book. I mean, I found the book more... Um, user-friendly than the website just because it's cool to have it around and then you can just open it up and look at a page or two and close it or if there's something you're wondering about like uh, girls education is one of the 100 solutions that will mm. decrease greenhouse gases so you can read about that one of my favorites uh, refrigerants Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually their number one thing that can reduce greenhouse gases. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh -huh. I know it sounds weird. Hydrofluorocarbons, right? You just say that and you sound smart. <laughs> and if you read the two pages on hydrofluorocarbons, you'll sound really smart. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. And stay tuned for more.